You've tuned in to Tracy R's new program, Behind Closed Doors. Please listen to our disclaimer. This program explores all topics relating to sex work. The show is hosted by several sex worker peer hosts, and we pride ourselves on facilitating a comfortable space for sex workers to share their experiences. Behind Closed Doors aims to uncover what the sex industry is really like. We value the varied opinions and experiences of sex workers, and we also appreciate questions and curiosities from the general public. Our program, Behind Closed Doors, exists to bridge the gaps. Please be mindful that the nature of this program may not be for you and is not suited for little ease. There is also possibility of explicit language used. Tune in to the station that gives voices to sex workers. Subscribe to 3CR. Hi everyone and thank you for joining me. I'm your host for today, Dean Lim. Welcome to Behind Closed Doors. Today I'll be actually interviewing the amazing sex worker comedian Bella Green. Bella Green will talk candidly about her life, her comedy and some of the other types of work that she's tried over the years. After speaking to Bella, we'll connect with her life experiences to the bigger picture of fighting for sex worker rights and what her experiences can teach us about sex work decriminalisation. Bella has extensive experience across the industry and she shares her knowledge through her comedy. With successful shows in the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, we're really lucky to be interviewing her today. Bella, welcome to Behind Closed Doors. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. I'm so glad that we could come in, especially after you've been so busy. So what brings you from Perth, Western Australia, to performing sold-out shows at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival? Um, Well, I came from Perth, I think, 13 years ago, uh, and I was just wanting to get away from that small town that I grew up in. I didn't want to spend my whole life there. So, yeah, I've been here for a long time before I started doing comedy. Okay. And why comedy? I didn't realise I was funny until a little while ago, maybe a few years ago, and I thought, my Facebook statuses are just too good to be all I do. Um, yeah. Okay. So from, from that sort of, I guess, light bulb moment, I've also seen that you've also done a bit of um, improv work. Was that how you sort of transitioned f- you know, into becoming a fully, fully fledged comedic performer? Yeah, absolutely. I started improv classes with the aim of being a stand-up comedian. I just wanted to get some confidence. Um, but I ended up finding the improv community is full of stand-ups and sketch writers and really amazing performers. So it was more the people I met there that got me into stand-up, so, more so than getting the confidence, although I did get that as well. Okay. And uh, being on stage, is it as, I guess, a liberating for you um, kind of experience where you can really get up there and let go and let, let it rip? Are there any topics that you wouldn't say on stage? Pretty much no. My mum and her boyfriend saw my show in Perth, so I didn't expect that to happen when I started writing a show. I definitely didn't have 73-year-old Bruce in mind as an audience member, so it has been interesting to realise all of my little thoughts I wrote down have wound up being a show that you know people have seen that I probably didn't intend to. I mean, your show is hilarious. I mean, I was, there were times when I went with a group of friends and I was laughing so loudly. One of my, my good friends kept on ribbing me in, in, the, in my ribs to say, look, shut up, shut up, you're laughing too loudly. But I, because I saw your show twice, I've actually noticed that there are a lot of people in the audience who were doing the same thing. And from where, where they were laughing at, the, the different jokes, I could tell that they were people from the sex industry 
So we had a lot of what you were writing was really resonating with the audience. And I really appreciated that, that honesty. And it was done in such a, an intelligent way. It wasn't crass, wasn't rude, it wasn't offensive, but really well thought out. Did it take you a long time to write that sort of material or yep. put the show together? Well, I love that response, first of all. Um, like, I definitely wrote this for sex workers, by a sex worker, and if anyone else likes it, that's really cool. Uh, and it didn't take me that long. I think I had so much stuff I'd been thinking about that I wanted to say. It all just kind of came out pretty quickly. Um, I registered it at Melbourne Fringe last year. It's about six months before the festival is when you've got to put it in. And I just went, okay, I'm going to do this. And registered, and yeah, over the next six months, wrote it in dribs and drabs, but it came out pretty easily. So with this show in mind, for those who haven't seen it, Bella you know, stands up on stage and talks about her life, which is amazing. But you also have a sketch comedy show. Putting all those elements together, did you have um, other people you know, collaborate with you as well? I wrote it all, but I had a director, um, the amazing Caitlin Staples, who's part of a sketch troupe called Hit by a Blimp. They're very funny. Um, And I had her direct it. Um, She's not a sex worker, but I really wanted an eye on it from someone who isn't in the industry uh, so she could say, hey, I don't understand that joke or I can see that's a joke that I'm not meant to get, but it's okay. I understand the context. Yeah, I have an actor in my show who's a sex worker and I wanted sex workers to be involved, but it was also important to have that eye so it made sense to the general public as well. Mm, I, th- I think you really accomplished that because it, it was really simply put. It wasn't very much technical jargon. It was really clear language, really easily communicated. And I think that you know, on the different nights that I saw it, there were actual regular members of, of the, the public, mums, dads, grandparents, and they got your jokes as well, which was fantastic to hear people laugh and respond in such a positive way. I love it. And I love what you mentioned before about how you can tell there are workers there by what they laugh at, because I can tell um, who's a worker, who's a client, who's got no idea, who's a partner, like from the different laughs and different jokes that they get. I love that. It's so satisfying. And so with your show, where do you want to take it? I would love to do it. I think next year I'd like to hit some of the festivals I didn't do this year. So um, there's Fringe at Edge of the World, which is a Hobart um, fringe festival. And I'd really like to do Adelaide Fringe. And I've had a lot of sex workers ask me to bring it to Sydney. So that's something I'm looking at as well. With your show, you've listed so many different types of jobs that you've had, you know, from being in the sex industry to being, you know, in a call centre. But are there any jobs that you would like to do? This is such a good question, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, no, I'm kind of doing what I want to do now. Um, I would like to write more, so I'm looking at writing a book next. That's kind of what I've got on the cards. I got awarded the Hot Desk Fellowship at the Wheeler Centre, which starts in July. So they're going to support me, I guess, in writing a book, which is something I have no idea about. I kind of applied for it on a whim and thought, yeah, I've got more stories I want to tell. So I'm thinking writing is my next step. Mm, That's great. I secretly would love to have a TV writing job. Um, I see a lot of comedians doing TV writing and that looks awesome. But at the moment, yeah, someone should call me if they have a TV writing job they want to give me. (laughs) You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855am. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. The only 
only way that we can have a safe world is understanding each other in our difference, limiting the economic disparities between peoples of the world, and not saying that some people deserve dignity and respect and others don't. They're the pathways to safety and security, and we need to have the courage to say we have to continue to have those complex dialogues about how we move forward so that the values of diversity and inclusivity are in everybody's hearts and maybe even the hearts of politicians. 3CR celebrating diversity since 1976, 855 on your AM dial. So back in the studio, everyone, and we're with Bella Green. Before the break, we were talking about jobs. So, Bella, were there times when you even thought of studying as well? Yeah, so before I'd done any private escorting and I was mainly working in brothels, I went and did the first year of my paramedicine degree to become like an AMBO. And that was very much like the last thing I wanted to try that I thought being like a face-out sex worker would prevent me from ever doing. I did that and I found out it wasn't for me, but I did find out how hard it is to kind of conceal sex work in an industry where you that no one is going to hire you if you are known for doing that, like just because there's so much stigma. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. There is a lot of stigma. And when you say the word sex and then sex worker in the same sentence, you'll either have people support you and say oh that's great that's really cool or there'll be like a deathly silence and the looks on people's faces and and their their body language changes I've had that myself as well and so I've had to in some ways in my life um, hide that from people and just the stigma of, of having this double life by being a comedian now and being so open about your you know this sex work how have you found people in general I've been out, I guess I've been face out as a private worker for a while before I did comedy and everybody knew, my family knew, my friends knew. So doing comedy hasn't changed it much. I actually thought when I started doing comedy, I was scared of the reaction from other comedians. I thought they might be weird. But yeah, especially within the improv community, everyone's been so lovely and supportive. And when they haven't known things, they've asked questions and been quite respectful. And yeah, it's been really good. No, that's great. Even with uh, the comedy festival, what I've noticed is that there's so many men, especially white male comedians. And how have you found that and their reaction to you? Um, A lot of them just don't talk to me because I think they're scared of me. (laughs) I was kind of like, I thought I might get a lot of heckling from male comedians or, you know, inappropriate comments. But a lot of them, like, are peers, but they don't kind of meet my eye a lot of the time. I have to start conversations with them. (laughs) I think it's actually quite intimidating. It's like, oh, it's a woman who's talking about sex. So that's quite funny. I I think it's hilarious because, yeah, you're, you're, you're a woman, you're talking about sex, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, taboo. Ooh, be careful. And I'm thinking, hang on, it's 2019. It's going to be 2020 soon. I mean, we're not in the 18th century. I feel like it's actually been quite beneficial to have something interesting to talk about in Mm. comedy. Like, I think people want to 
put more minority voices forward within comedy. Like there is that kind of perception in a sort of Me Too era that we do want to hear from different voices. So I I think I've actually gotten a lot of opportunities because of that. Um, And I like to say that uh, my sex worker card gets me declined a lot of places in the real world. So the fact that it's kind of beneficial in comedy, I'm milking that for all it's worth. Yeah, go for it. Absolutely. Because it's so good to hear different voices and different experiences. It's also really great that jokes about sex workers and the sex industry is actually coming from someone who is a sex worker with lived experience, who is part of the industry. And I think that's so refreshing rather than having someone commenting about us. Uh, I totally agree. And I think even just me being around comedy, I've seen the guys I do comedy with start to make different choices or kind of start to make a joke where, you know, a sex worker is the punchline and I can see them going, oh, Bella's, oh, maybe that's not appropriate. I think knowing a sex worker, like people think they don't know sex workers, but being aware that there's one in the room makes a huge difference. Yeah, you're, you're actually opening up their mind. That's what I loved about my show as well, like seeing for my civvy friends or other comedians. I'm like, look, you can see all of this laughter from people who are obviously in the industry because those are the in-jokes that, you know, people that aren't in the industry don't laugh at. And I could kind of see them going, oh, there is a whole stack of sex workers here and it doesn't look like there are. This isn't the people I thought was what a sex worker looked like. And I think it challenges that idea that I'm the only sex worker they know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because there is there's a, such a stereotype of what a sex worker will look like. Yes. And yet, when you know, I, I went as a person in the public, just sitting watching your show. Everybody was there, and it was brilliant. It was so great to see so many different types of people. One of the jokes that my civilian friend didn't get was when you were doing the videos, and in the videos, Bella performs. It's like sketch comedy, and it's a brilliant little show, really, where Bella is a client and who's walking around, talking about getting the perfect, not having such high standards, not looking for perfection. I think the name was Gerald? Uh, yeah, Gerard. Gerard. And <laughs> good old Gerard just craps on about how he's not looking for, for perfection, but he's after a size six girl, just got to be blonde, has to fit a certain criteria, but he's not fussy. He's not after perfection. And my friend thought that he didn't get that at all. He just thought, why, why is the man so picky? Why is, he so, why, why is Bella making fun of that poor man? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I haven't heard that response. Um, yeah, I think in that sketch we play three clients and it's kind of really typical client stereotypes yes. of like a guy that says he's not fussy but he super is <laughs> and a guy that like can't make up his mind and he's always looking for something better and yeah, a drunk client out on the town. And we just, yeah, played up those stereotypes. It's funny that that didn't um, make sense. I guess, yeah, some stuff doesn't. Yeah, some stuff doesn't. But it's interesting what does. And I think generally your humour does because it doesn't, it's not meant to offend anybody. It's just an observation of life. This is my life. This is what's happened. Here are some stories. And it was it was just really, really cool. Also, part of the stories that you have talked about was you touched upon your own mental health and being bipolar. How does that affect your work? and life in general. I do think comedy is maybe not the most beneficial thing for someone with um, dizzying highs and terrifying lows. Uh, You're getting so much feedback from people. You either feel like you're on top of the world when you have a good show or it's the end of the world when you have a bad show or a bad review. So it's while it's flexible and accommodates for it, I don't know if it's the most helpful thing. Have have you found a way to have 
or create a supportive environment for yourself, whether it's friends, family, bar of chocolate? What, what, have you, what have you found? Yeah, I have a supportive housemate who's very good at listening to me debrief after a show. I've also got a lot of supportive friends in comedy now. I've made friends with a lot of women that are in stand-up especially who are really good at putting stuff into perspective. So what do you personally get out of it, being on stage and being so open and bearing your soul to the audience? Oh, when it connects, it's the best feeling in the world. Like, it's so validating and rewarding, especially when it's other workers that relate. That's fantastic. Bella, your shows were amazing. Pretty much a sold-out season at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. And, you know, I saw it twice. I had friends of mine in the industry watch your shows with me. I've had people from the public that I've recommended to go and see your shows as well. It was just really, really great. How do you feel about the success of all of this? Oh my God, it has blown my mind. I had no idea people were going to like it as much as they did. And it's been cool because I think I've been uh, more successful than a lot of my comedy peers because I have a specific audience I'm talking to. I think a lot of comedians are relying on standing out amongst the sea of people doing comedy festival shows where I haven't just been trying to convince comedy people that I'm the best person to come see. I've got my own audience that don't necessarily go to comedy normally. Uh, So that's really helped with the success of it. Mm, That was great. I mean, as a fellow sex worker, I found that your comedy was so refreshing and honest and it was great that it was made by a sex worker. And I think that's what we need in the world of comedy, in the world of entertainment in general, is to have people who have real experiences write the shows perform in the shows i mean what what's your viewpoint do you think that there will be other performers coming up oh absolutely and there are performers that i was inspired by uh, like queenie bonbon is a melbourne comedian who's done a few shows about sex work um she's a full service sex worker uh, and she's amazing and uh chase paradise who's a stripper who made a show called whole life or no life And that was really successful at Comedy Fest last year and was very inspiring for me to be able to make that show. Oh, great. Did you have people come up to you and say that as well, that that, that you have inspired them to create work? Um, No, I haven't, but I hope I have. I would love that. That would be amazing. Mm, I'm I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have. They're just busy writing away. Awesome. (laughs) I love that. The only way that we can have a safe world is understanding each other in our difference, limiting the economic disparities between peoples of the world, and not saying that some people deserve dignity and respect and others don't. They're the pathways to safety and security, and we need to have the courage to say we have to continue to have those complex dialogues about how we move forward so that the values of diversity and inclusivity are in everybody's hearts and maybe even the hearts of politicians. 3CR celebrating diversity since 1976, 855 on your AM dial. Breathe in and out. You're listening to 3CR. With the success of your shows, what have you got on for the rest of the year? I'm going to hibernate for a little bit and try and write some completely new jokes. And I think try and write some jokes that aren't about sex work necessarily. I would like to have more in my repertoire. And I think taking a bit of a break from that will make me want to write some more stand-up about sex work. Uh, But for now, I've got um, The Breast of the Fest is something I'm part of. 
So that's a lineup show of six up-and-coming female comedians, which I'm part of, uh, and that's been running every night of the comedy festival, and we'll have a couple of nights left. Oh, that's right. So it's Breast of the Fest. It's on at the Trades Hall until Sunday. The shows are on at 9.30pm, with the Sunday show being at 8.30pm. So if you're not doing anything tonight, definitely grab your tickets via the Comedy Festival website. I think I'll grab a few tickets too. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you. Well, thank you, Bella, for coming in. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. 3CR, radio that's independent, progressive and making a difference. There you have it. We've just had Bella Green. And uh, go search Bella Green Comedy at YouTube and you can see some of her videos of her sketch comedy, which is hilarious, highly recommended. And if you haven't seen Bella perform live, catch her tonight, tomorrow or over the weekend at Breast of the Fest. And it's going to be your last chance to see her before she goes into hibernation. You can get tickets online at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival website. Apart from being hilarious and witty, I would reckon that Bella's comedy is just so honest and candid, and it looks at the complexities of her life as a sex worker and a comedian in both Victoria and Western Australia. She really reminds us that people of all the sex workers and other people in the general public are really seeking the same things, which is recognition that our work and our lives are valued and respected. One of the most important ways society can value sex work as work is to enact laws that treat sex work like any other job. And yet, in both Victoria and Western Australia, legislation fails to treat sex work as work. On last week's show, we referred to Victoria's ridiculous ban on the word massage. It is unlawful for private sex workers to use the word massage in their online advertisements. Using the police to crack down on the word massage isn't just a waste of police resources – it also fails to recognise the significant role that skilled massage plays in Victoria's sex work industry. For many Victorian sex workers, various massage techniques are a big part of their service that they provide. There is no clear line separating massage therapists from sex workers. Sex workers understand that providing an erotic massage is not simply a trivial act. It is a highly skilled and important service that can take a long time to master. Bella also talked about her experiences working and studying in various areas outside the sex industry. Sometimes people forget that many sex workers have more than one job and many work in the conventional workforce. Sex work can be transient, with people moving into and out of the sex industry depending on their life circumstances. For Bella, her second job, the comedy world, has largely embraced her and her sex work identity. We really need to see more of this. For many other sex workers, taking on a second job can be difficult just as Bella described when she had to hide sex work while studying to be a paramedic. So why does this happen? Anti-discrimination laws in both Victoria and Western Australia do not protect sex workers, while attributes such as race, gender and religion are protected. Occupation is not a protected attribute. This means it remains lawful to discriminate against sex workers in both Victoria and Western Australia. This often causes extra stress when balancing multiple jobs, especially when stigma requires one job to be kept in secret. Activists who support sex work decriminalisation understand that their advocacy is not only about changing sex work laws, but it must also involve updating anti-discrimination laws to protect sex workers from workplace discrimination. 
For those who want to help in the fight for decriminalisation in Victoria, here is a friendly reminder that the upcoming federal election is not relevant to decriminalisation. Instead, what you can do today is to write to your local member of the Victorian Parliament and let them know that you support amending Victoria's anti-discrimination laws to protect sex workers. Thank you for your support and thank you for listening to Behind Closed Doors. And if you'd like to contact us, please email us at bcd3cr at gmail.com. Join us again next Thursday, 6pm. I'll leave you now with Sorry, Not Sorry by Demi Lovato. Now I'm out here looking like revenge Feeling like a 10, the best I ever been And yeah, I know how bad it must hurt to see me like this But it gets worse Now you're out here looking like regret Ain't too proud to beg, second chance you'll never get And yeah, I know how bad it must hurt to see me like this But it gets worse Now payback is a bad bitch and baby
only way that we can have a safe world is understanding each other in our difference, limiting the economic disparities between peoples of the world, and not saying that some people deserve dignity and respect and others don't. They're the pathways to safety and security, and we need to have the courage to say we have to continue to have those complex dialogues about how we move forward so that the values of diversity and inclusivity are in everybody's hearts and maybe even the hearts of politicians. 3CR celebrating diversity since 1976, 855 on your AM dial. Tune in to the station that gives voices to sex workers. Subscribe to 3CR. Breathe in and out. You're listening to 3CR.